On today's episode of the CX Insider Podcast, we sit down and talk to Senior Director of Customer Success for SurveyMonkey, Cormac Kelly. We'll be talking about SurveyMonkey's Ask, Listen, Act ads, how the CX landscape in surveys can evolve, how AI has been integrated, and much, much more. Enjoy the episode. And if you do, subscribe to our YouTube channel for more episodes. This episode has been brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the CX Insider podcast. I'm your host Octavian and I'm joined by my co-host Adam. Hello. And we're joined by a special guest that goes by the name of Cormac. Would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your journey in the field of customer success? Yeah, happy to, Octavian. Thanks for having me on. First off, I do want to say I'm a dad of three small kids. So that's my first my first job. I'm based out of Dublin in, in Ireland. And I guess my, my journey in customer success started about six or seven years ago. At the time I was working for Microsoft, I'd had multiple roles there. I spent in total about 14 years there. I loved the company and still think it does great things. But I was going through a step where I was doing a lot of internal facing roles there at the time. I mean, there's like 220,000 folks working there. So it's just huge. And so there's lots of those types of roles. And really what I wanted to do was get close to the customer and the product. And I started telling people that or anyone who would listen to me at the time, they were looking for someone to build out the, the customer success team for Azure, which is a big kind of huge, immense pro- product. It's uh, it's just insane what people can do with that product and what they do. Yeah, yeah we use Azure, know it well. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's great. And, you know, that from there kind of went into a wild journey, hiring a team of about 80 across multiple different languages. We were trying to figure out our go-to-market plan multiple times, how we should talk to customers, what skill sets we even needed to have those conversations. And I ran that team for about five years. And uh, the customers we were dealing with were, you know, they were running their whole business on Azure. So it was quite a responsibility and, 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 you know, I loved it. But there were also a lot of internal stakeholders to keep happy. And sometimes that can kind of distract you from the people on the customer side. And maybe it's hard to affect change in those mega organizations that I wanted to. And so when SurveyMonkey came knocking, uh, I was really, really open to the conversation. Can you tell us a bit more about the work that you do with SurveyMonkey? Yeah, sure. Um, so I manage a couple of different functions in SurveyMonkey. So my title is Senior Director of Customer Success, but I also manage the team that manages the onboarding of our SurveyMonkey enterprise customers. So when, when sales close the deal, I guess, we take the experience from there. And for the first 60 days, our onboarding specialists kind of guide them through the product and how to use it and help get them up and running. I also manage a product called Apply and the team around that. And Apply is, is a great offering that we have that's aimed mainly at kind of education and NGOs, and it's all around the application process, as its name suggests. And then I manage the EMEA and APAC team. So got about 20 folks just on that team and 45 people in general on the, on the team. So we manage a relationship, I guess, with 3,000 customers or so, specifically in the EMEA APAC region. We help them figure out the best way to use our products. So hopefully they get value. Hopefully we can solve some pain points for them and their business. And we also take their customer voices and we look to, I suppose, maybe affect some change in our product to enable them to do things a little bit more effectively. Look, that's the essence of what customer success is. It, it, it means different things to different companies, but when you boil it down, it's kind of like, you know, Ron Seal, it, it should do what it says in the tin and, you know, really understand what the customer's goal is and how the product can enable that. And hopefully they'll continue to use our products and maybe even use more of it. And that's kind of where, where we come in. I've seen your recent Ask, Listen, Act ads and... I've absolutely loved them. Like they were so entertaining. Can you tell us a bit more about how effective they were and just the process behind the advertisements that SurveyMonkey create? It was part of resurfacing the SurveyMonkey brand. 
We changed name for a couple of years to Momentive, and that kind of came about after we purchased a number of different products. And probably we didn't lean on the ServiceMonkey brand enough because I think everyone has probably heard of or used ServiceMonkey, and we kind of reverted back to just you know driving more of that brand recognition again uh, within the market. And the ads were a huge success. I think within about four weeks, TikTok hashtag went for ServiceMonkey search from like I think it was two hundred thousand to over nine million. Half a wow. billion audience impressions, like, and we just drove a lot of growth in signups. So we were, we were delighted with that, obviously. And yeah, that's, that's marketing money well spent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, great success. I think it won a couple of awards as well. So we kind of went, we went all out on it, which we hadn't maybe done before. And so. Yeah, it was great. And interesting, we actually went back to ServiceMonkey as a brand. We changed our name back to ServiceMonkey. So we had a got a new CEO, and in the first couple of days, he announced the change back to ServiceMonkey. It was a great win early in his tenure, and there was literally cheers in the office uh, when when you know it was announced we were going back to the ServiceMonkey name and brand. And so folks in the in the company have a real affinity for the brand and the culture that it stands for. SurveyMonkey are a leading survey platform across the globe with a wide range of ways that customers can use the service. But what are some services that use the platform and what are the best results that Cormac has seen? We have cloud companies that are integrating their, you know, their, into their customer support and into Salesforce. We have customers with the HR department is running their employee engagement surveys, payment providers who are surveying customers' experience and how they're transferring money, football clubs who you know are using it to kind of understand more about their online stores, but also how they they do their academy trainings and you know improve the experience of how they train kids and run events. We have airports and airlines that measure experience of their passengers. It's just kind of it's 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 insane. And then we also have really positive things like mental health services who you know improve obviously the lifelong mental health of folks, but they kind of understand how they can work with families better and provide better treatment. So, you know, it's just incredibly varied the types of use cases that we that we have. And I suppose what I've found is the the customers that are using it most effectively are the customers that don't ask too many questions. They're super clear of what they're trying to find out as part of the survey, usually as part of a bigger customer experience or, or go-to-market strategy. Then they evolve those questions and ask them regularly so you can trend it over time. It's not a once and you know one and done type of a thing. And then crucially, you tie the feedback that you get back into other data that you have so you can tell a really, really broad story. And probably two of the best results I've seen is where there's, there's a, a pretty well-known shoe brand where I'm contact has been promoted twice in the last three years, which I, which could be the length of our contract, our agreement with them actually, but it's just insane to see how they've just taken the data and told a brilliant story and, and, and progressed so well. And then we have a big online fashion retailer and what they do actually is they're surveying customers to ensure that the models they're using are representing a diverse range of folks, which again is kind of one of the core values of, of ServiceMonkey as a brand. So yeah, the breadth and the value the customers get out of the products is, is exciting, I think. This is quite a big question, but how do you envision the landscape of CX within surveys evolving in the next five to 10 years? Well, that is the million, that is the million dollar question, Octavian. Um, wow. Look, I think, <laughs> where, do, where do I go from there, Adam? Um, I think the short answer, obviously, is that feedback will need to evolve with the customer experience landscape. But I do think it's going to become even more relevant. So taking a step back, I think, you know, when people think about customer experience, people's mind often initially go to support. Mine doesn't. I kind of think about every interaction that a customer may have across all the different touch points with the company and also the building blocks that make up those interactions. So the marketing cycle, the sales cycle, the customer cycle, the support function for sure, but also what happens in the product or in the platform, if it's a platform you're selling, how does the, is the the development of that product uh, evolving with the customer needs. What other folks 
that are not your customers or what your actual customers are saying about your brand, but then also the internal processes and tools and reports that go into enabling your customer and your customer facing team. So all of these are touch points that you need to kind of assess and, and understand. And obviously the big shift that we're seeing is the, the move to, to AI. And I think the ultimate goal of any AI or um, any customer strategy should be trying to make life simpler for their customers and their employees and for their users to affect whatever change they're, they're trying to do. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's trying to deploy it. You know, we're hearing about Bard and mm-hmm. GPT and others, but I actually saw a stat from one of our research teams that said 57% of folks are still using GPT for fun. So, you know, it's still kind of a little bit of a, <laughs> a, new, a new thing yeah. in the market, you know? Now, that, obviously, that that's going to change. But I do think companies ultimately need to be super thoughtful about how they deploy AI. Everyone needs wants to get on the AI gravy train, but AI is essentially data and learning and outputs based on that data. And when you think about it, again, when I think about AI in a customer perspective, like I kind of think it in two ways. It's the proactive versus reactive AI. If it's proactive, what I mean by that, if it follows a process or like kind of an if-then loop, it's more effective than when it's reacting to a customer issue. And I think that's where companies need to think about how it's being perceived in, in the market and how is their brand being perceived in the market. Don't just go and do AI because you think you should be, you should be doing AI. You've just recently implemented a new AI, haven't you? We have. We have. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. How's that how's that going? Yeah, yeah. I mean you have to that's really the follow the follow on, on, on the previous question. Obviously for 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 us to, to kind of evolve, we need to kind of con- continue to evolve to evolve our offering. And so our tagline is kind of ask, listen, act. That's really what we were trying to do. And you, you'll tell you, you called it out perfectly in the, when you was talking about the ad. And what we'll need to do is kind of ask, enable customers to ask in a better way, listen more thoughtfully, and then hopefully you can act quickly and with precision. That's ultimately what, you know, we, we will continue to evolve the product to do. So when we think about AI, we have build with AI where you kind of can write a short prompt of what you want to do, and it'll, you'll literally get a whole survey suggested to you. So you don't, you know, you need to send a survey, but you don't really know where to start, which is the case for a lot of folks who were writing their first survey. That helps helps you do that in less literally 30 seconds. And then it also wow. goes a little, bit, a little bit deeper in things like question type predictor. You know, is it the right type of question? So you start typing your question, it will tell you, it should it be multiple choice, should it be check boxes? How are you going to get the best data out of that question? It will also, when you're finished your survey, review your survey draft, which I think is brilliant. And it'll kind of detect issues and say, you know what? your structure is wrong or this question format is wrong. I recommend ways to improve that. And it will also suggest, here's how many respondents we think you're going to get based on the quality of your survey. So I think that's really good. So you get the quality of the survey right first time. Then there's other things like, you know, we get, you, you do get some poor quality responses. It helps you filter it. Those are a bit quicker. Sentiment analysis. I don't know if any of you have looked through like, those open fields text that you get from surveys. And there's just a lot of surveys there. So sentiment analysis kind of picks out key words and kind of key trends and helps you kind of spot trends that you otherwise may have missed. And, and so if the word price as constantly comes up in exactly. a free text box, it'll highlight it to you or delivery time or whatever. Exactly. That's that's exactly it, Adam. So yeah. So again, as everything changes, we gotta get quicker. You gotta surface things in the right way. You gotta help uh, help people make decisions, the right decisions quickly. I think that's where that's where the landscape is going. And with AI, and I mean, that sounds amazing. And actually, I have to confess, I am one of the people that uses ChatGPT for a bit of fun sometimes. Yeah, it's cool. Some, some of the stuff it could do is amazing. I think my, at the moment my son realizes he can go write me a story in the style of a 10-year-old uh, for his homework. You're in trouble then. <laughs> I'm zero trouble. Yeah, absolutely. You've got three kids as well, so keep them off it. But I'm also interested in how AI clearly if implemented correctly and used correctly, can make a massive difference to customer experience and customer success. But do you think it also aids 
or does the opposite for experience of staff? I think it's, I heard a guy called Dan Gingas talk about this before, and he talks about the infinity loop between customer experience and employee engagement, which if you think about it, makes a lot of sense, but I probably didn't connect it in that way. So engaged employees are just going to care a lot more and do a lot more for your customers. And so when I was kind of thinking about the the conversation we were, we were going to have today, I looked up like, what are the two biggest use cases that we have across all of our customer base. And it's actually, uh, it's employee engagement and it's customer engagement. So it is, it's HR departments trying to figure out how engaged their employees are. And it's not, and I mean kind of engaged in the, the company mission because it's not just employee satisfaction. It can sometimes be a kind of a point in time. This is kind of an ongoing understanding of how engaged folks are. Do they understand the the mission of the company? Do they understand the strategy? Do they understand what they're trying to do on a day-to-day basis? And there was a recent study done, I think it was Gallup, that that said that 70% of American workers are not engaged at all. And I think it's really easy for your customers to tell that. It's quite depressing. Yeah, it is a little bit. I think the what, what it leads you to kind of think about, or certainly what it leads me to think about, is how you communicate to your employees, how you make sure that they feel part of the big changes and the small changes are, is incredibly important. You know, you have to, they have to feel certainly in their day-to-day job, that they can affect change. They can give feedback and that it's going to be heard. And I think that's incredibly important. I, I do remember like my first kind of couple of, couple of weeks in Microsoft, I was a you know low-level employee, but my priorities were actually called out in the SVPs. And I kind of felt, oh, actually what I'm doing actually means something for the whole, for the whole company. So I think that was, that was a kind of an early example of where, whereby I felt, you know, I'm invested in the success of the whole the whole company. And I think that's just a hugely important thing. I mean, I saw, gone off track a little bit now, but I recently saw uh, something on the Irish media where Dublin airport, there's parking out there. And some guy had obviously jumped out of the car, taken the kids out, left the windows open in the middle of October. One of the employees went over, got some plastic sheeting and uh, covered the open windows for him until he came back from, wow. from his holidays a couple of days. Out. And that's an example of an, empl- an engaged employee. You know, that's someone who really cares about and that's also that a returning blew, customer. Blew up on social media then, Adam. You know what I mean? It was just, and you can imagine what that's doing for the brand of Dublin Airport. Like, okay, it's only, it, you think it's only parking, but actually it's not just parking because they, they really care about your experience and what goes wrong. You know? Well, park, parking, if you get your parking wrong, I mean, I recently flew from Bristol Airport and we did a service where you pay, they pick up your car, they drop you off, whatever. We get there, the guy's not there. We phone him up, he's still not there. We're standing in the rain at six in the morning. Turns up and he's eating his breakfast. You're like, well, yeah. Not going to use them again. It's just amazing how that's that one single employee has now tarnished my view of that brand. Whereas they might be a fantastic brand and everyone else might be perfect, but that one guy, his fault, I'm not going to use them again. So yeah. it's getting that message, isn't it, into every single one of your staff. And I'm very, you know, I'm intrigued and I'm quite impressed to see how someone like Microsoft, when you were there for so long, yeah. hundreds of thousands of employees drip feed that down everybody that's uh it's impressive work. i'll give you an example from from my job my role in survey monkey mm. came along mm. because of employee feedback there was no director in or leader who's based in europe in our company on the customer success side that came about as part of an employee engagement survey that we did and we followed up with some more detailed questions i would say we but they did beforehand and ultimately the result was they they opened up a role and they hired me. And so that that's kind of like, that was employees affecting change right away. They felt like there needed to be more of a customer voice from uh, from Europe. We, we need to kind of represent our customers a bit more. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm thankful for employee engagement in that instance, I have to say. 
I bet. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. And how long have you been at Survey Monkey now? So I've been here. I'll be two years now at the end of uh, the end of the first first quarter. I was, I'm still thinking in quarters. And um, at, at the end of March. <laughs> wow. It's okay. It's been great. Brilliant. Yeah. In recent times, there has been a boom in personalization through all aspects of life. But where is personalization headed? And what are some standout examples that Cormac has experienced? I th look, I think the thing about personalization is right is now, especially younger generations they just expect it they expect when you are in contact with a customer they know immediately that it's you they have all your details they can resolve your problem pretty quickly or you know answer your question straight away but it's it's not just that i mean if you think about it, i went for a coffee this morning and went into my local coffee shop opened up my phone to pay my iphone opened up my or suggested my loyalty app so that i could tap and get my my free coffee, right? So they are obviously tracking. Obviously, I, I, they're tracking my my location and where I am, and that's kind of just the just the start of it. You know that my local super, supermarket does does the exact same. And I went on a on a trip recently. I think I might have mentioned this to you before, Adam, but I was in San Diego, and I think Marriott emailed me like about four times or five times in the couple of days leading up to my trip and to my arrival, kind of suggesting different options for me, suggesting different things to see in San Diego, asking me did I want my phone to be my key, all of those things wow. just to kind of based on where, how far I was away from my, from my departure. So I think it's really interesting. And um, I think it can really improve the customer experience. I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge moving forward for uh, companies to make sure they maintain the ownership of their customer experience. And what I mean by that is, uh, do, do you follow Bill Gates on LinkedIn by any chance or follow his notes? I do follow his notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I certainly pop up on my feed quite a lot. So. Yeah, exactly. They pop up on my feed and I read them sporadically, yeah. right? But this week I, I actually did read and he talked about the concept of agents and agents are essentially mm -hmm. our own personal assistant. It's essentially like, think about it as you're, you, you get into your car after work to drive home, you're about an hour from home and you say, I'd love, I'd love some pizza tonight. Your personal yeah. assistant or your agent will know where you buy your pizzas what you want, what time you'll be home because they'll be tracking you on the way home. And by the time you arrive home, your pizza's like arriving, you know, two minutes later. That's the dream for some people, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the dream, but that's the dream for some people. What what it, what it, I think it presents as a challenge for companies and why I think, again, feedback and understanding, you know, what your customer experience is hugely important is you kind of lose control of like, who, who did you order from at that stage? You know what I mean? Like I think about... I heard a, a guy from Domino's talking recently, and he was he was talking about a lot of his orders go through Just Eat now. So who owns that customer that customer experience now? Is it Domino's, or is it is it Just Eat? And at the same conference, Uber were in talking about a new Uber driver offering that he that's coming into the UK. So how do you ensure that you know the experience that your end customer is getting from the purchase right through to the delivery? is consistent with your brand. So you're going to have to be really thoughtful about the partnerships that you have. You have to be really kind of measuring those partnerships on a regular basis to ensure that they're representing who you are. Your customers are experiencing things the right way. So the personalization piece is just going to be in incredibly interesting at how it evolves because I think Gates thinks it's going to evolve to that agent thing over the next five years. It wouldn't surprise me. be very convenient as well. If something yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. I mean, funny enough, I speak a lot to the automotive sector and I was in Germany earlier in the year and they talk about the in-car system. You know, obviously back in the day, it was just a CD player or even a cassette player at the radio. Then it became your sat-nav. Now you just plug mm -hmm. your smartphone into it and now you expect it to do everything the smartphone does. They're yeah. actually evolving it. So just what you said, Cormac, that 
you'll be driving home. You say you're hungry. It'll integrate in with your Just Eats and all this kind of stuff. And you press a button yeah. and it'll order your pizza from your car. Yeah, we're all going to be lazy, wanting instant information and probably obese by eating too many of these takeaways. <laughs> yeah, eating too many pizzas. Yeah. Too, too many pizzas. The future uh, yeah, looks good, The future looks good. <laughs> that looks great. Like the movie Wally, if you've ever seen that. But yeah, it's also, it's interesting as well what you were saying about the ownership of the customer experience. Because again, I've drawn the car automotion one is if you're a manufacturer, let's say a Mercedes, but you don't buy generally directly from Mercedes, you buy from a third party dealer. So who owns it? Is it the car manufacturer? Is it the dealer that sold it to you? And there's always that kind of like slopey shoulder. Yeah, you know, it's not our fault, it's their fault. Well, this is the thing. This is That's this the is worst. the thing. You don't want to get you don't want to get customer as a customer, you totally don't want to get into that loop. But also as a uh, as a brand, you want to make sure as well that you're you know, you're serving up the the right experience, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how how everything evolves over the next the, the next while. And that's going to be a challenge with data as well, because back on your kind of Domino's Just Eat thing, who owns the data? Is it yeah. Domino's? Do Domino's have the permission to survey that customer who ordered his meal deal? Or is it just eat that have a, the, and it's all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's going to be some challenges, certainly. There are. I mean, I think, you know, the, the point you were also making about the automotive, I think, isn't there a little bit of a, a little bit of an argy-bargy going on between the big, the big tech companies and the car companies about who owns the dashboard, right? Because the yeah. dashboard is the experience you're having. Is it going to be Apple or Google or Android, or is it going to be, like you said, Mercedes or Volvo? Yeah. So the, the kind of integrations and the partnerships are going to be important. And as you're a brand, you're going to think about, well, am I, am I back in the right partnership here? Am I back in the right agent moving forward? And all of those things are, are going to be interesting to, to see how, how it evolves over the next while. Absolutely. Um, Cormac, I've actually got a question, which is more of my own, just something personal for me. Um, I definitely understand the importance of surveys between B to C to consumer. And I also absolutely can agree more with surveys internally to manage staff. What about the kind of B2B market? Do you think they get as useful or is they get used as much in that industry? And what I mean for like that, let's say you are a software firm and you're providing to a large enterprise organization. Yeah. Do you think those surveys are as, can be used then? Because it's the one side where I don't often see it used. And perhaps I'm just wondering why. <laughs> We absolutely have customers who who use it in in that way. Again, it, I think it's the same principles, Adam. To be to be perfectly honest with you, it's it's really around: Are you serving your customer in the right way? I think we also have seen customers use it in a in a sales kind of not a sales capacity, but in a, an engaged capacity. Of, are you engaged with the right people who can give you the right information? I think we've seen it used in that way, and I think we've also we've also seen it used to make sure. And this is especially true when you're working with enterprise customers: Are you evolving your product in the right way? Because enterprise customers are quite demanding when it comes to product, and quite specific when it comes to product. And so, having a real handle on the experience that your enterprise customer is having, tying that back into again to the other information that you have, gives you just a more rounded view and a rounded understanding of. The relationship with not just one customer, but with a cohort of customers. And again, I think all of these things is how do you scale all of these things? You don't serve one customer, you serve multiple customers. How do you take this data, understand and improve the experience for one, and then apply that to, to as many as you possibly can? 
Thank you to everyone for listening. I've been Octavian and I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Let us know what you think of this episode by carrying on the conversation on LinkedIn at CX Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. Let's get into some quick fire questions. Rugby or football? Because I know how popular rugby is in Ireland. It is, yeah. Um, I'm actually a Gaelic footballer. So it's kind of like nearly a combination between the two and throw basketball into the mix as well. Um, but if I had to pick the two, probably rugby. So your favourite music genre? Um, right now, it's anything like Peppa Pig. But <laughs> prior, prior to that, it was kind of uh, showing my age here. It was probably the, the Manchester scene of the kind of 90s and 2000s um, or early 90s, 2000s, Stone Rose. And okay. That, that, type, of, that nice. type of a genre. Very nice. We won't ask you to sing Peppa Pig. <laughs> or, or the Stone Roses, hopefully. <laughs> Do you prefer concerts or cinemas? Oh, good question. I would say a concert. Yeah, concert. That's good. Yeah, I'll see you soon. What would you say, Adam? Concert. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best concert you've ever been at? Oh, um, the Killers in Cardiff was very good. I want to go and see Tenacious Deej and who they are. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, funny that that's, it's Jack Black, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just crazy, yeah. stupid music. But I reckon it's probably very entertaining. Yeah, um, that's fun. Kings of, Le- Kings of Leon were good. But I've seen uh, Foo Fighters, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? Come on, who's your favorite? There's been two that I that have been standout for me. One, that I, have you ever heard of a band called The National? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they played. In, in in just in a small venue in Dublin, the Olympia, and it was just unbelievable. They're just the guy just knows how to work a crowd, and they kind of they pay, play music that kind of continues to build and build and build through the song. And, and then the other one, I went to I went to uh, and a big outdoor concert in a place called Slane in Ireland, and it, it was U two. They were just phenomenal, and uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were supporting them. So wow, like between the two of them, it was just it was just amazing. That's and a, a lot of people support. in Ireland, they, yeah, massive it's support, unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. It's not really a support, and is it? Yeah. No, I mean you, you two um, are not necessarily universally loved in Ireland, but they they make some they make some great music. Well, they're, they're out there. Their old stuff is fantastic. You know, uh, I'd love to see they've them. Been in pretty the sphere, successful. You know, they, yeah, they're doing all right. They're doing all right. Yeah, he's done uh, all right. He's done all right. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Octavian? You've been to see many many concerts. I've gone to a few. I, I love music. I love going to concerts. Reading Festival was good in 2016. Oh, yeah. My favourite concert is a guy called The Weeknd. Yeah. Oh, I like The Weeknd. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah The yeah. Weeknd. He's my favourite right now. His concert was incredible. He's a talented guy. Yeah, my daughter my daughter can do some pretty funny TikTok dances to some of his songs. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do them. <laughs> I won't even do it for her. I'm not going to do it for you guys. That's what we're waiting for there, Adam. That's what we're waiting for. <laughs> No, 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 definitely not. No, definitely not.